Thank you for checking out the sermon at Hope Church. We exist to connect people to live the life of a Jesus follower. We're excited that you came across this message and are tuning in. We just want to make you aware of a couple things before we get to the sermon. First, we'd love to connect with you. You can follow us on our social networks by searching at Hope Church LV. Also, be sure to check out our website, hopechurchonline.com. There, you have access to other resources, information about who we are, and where we're going as a church, as well as an opportunity to give to what God is doing through our church. Once again, thanks for checking out this sermon. Please let us know if there's any questions you have or any way we can come alongside you and your family. Enjoy the message. Last weekend, we began a two-week study into the powerful biblical principle of generosity. It's something that at Hope we place great value on. As a matter of fact, it's one of what we call our core values, this idea of living generously. And out of the scriptures last weekend, looking at some word studies, we crafted a definition of this idea of generosity that I want to put back up on the screen, and I want us to read this definition out loud together. You ready? Living life always looking for opportunities to overflow into someone else's life. It's that idea of living on the lookout. We talked about last weekend this idea of having everything that we own, holding it open-handed and holding it loosely, looking for an opportunity to saturate, to bless, to give, to invest in what God is doing around us. I talked about how last weekend we teach through this principle about every 18 to 24 months here at Hope. We'll dig into some passage of scripture that unpacks this idea of giving or generosity. And and this is the time of year that we're doing it this year. It's been almost two years since we've done it. And we've chosen to dig into this. And, And I wanted to, as we begin this morning, really describe to you the three primary audiences that we have in mind in teaching what we talked about last weekend and this weekend. Because in everything that we teach from God's Word, obviously we want God's Word to speak to all of us, but there are always some primary audiences that we're trying to address. And what I want you to do as I describe these is when it comes to this biblical principle of generosity, you've already heard what we did last weekend. I want you to think about where you fall into one of these three categories. First of all, Today as we teach this, and this this last weekend and this weekend as we're unpacking these truths, one of the audiences that we're trying to talk to are new Christians. There are a lot of you who've come to know Jesus Christ right here. You've become a follower of Jesus through this fellowship. And these principles that we're teaching on generosity and on, on the biblical practice of giving, you've never heard these before. These are brand new. So we're trying to teach from a perspective to talk to people that have never heard this before. Some of you are new to Christ. You're new to walking with the Lord. And there's so much of the scripture that, that you've yet to be able to dig into. And so we understand that in teaching this, we're trying to lay a foundation for some of you that are brand new followers of Christ. So maybe that's you today. But there's a second primary audience. There are a lot of you who were already Christians when you became a part of our fellowship. And you've heard some of these teachings before. And you're even living some of this out. But you don't really know why you're doing it. 
Some of you live out the principle of giving to the Lord, but you do it because you think, I have to in order for God to be happy with me. There's a sense of guilt. There's a sense of duty. There's a sense of obligation that even sometimes spills into what theologians would call legalism, that these are one of those spiritual practices I have to do or God's going to be angry with me. And so we're teaching these principles from the perspective understanding some of you are Christians who know some of this, but the heart motive behind some of it is not right, and we want you to be able to live this out from a perspective where you can enjoy the freedom that's possible in Christ. But then there's a third group of people. The third primary audience is that some of you are Christians, and you know these principles. You know what the Bible says about this, and you've just simply chosen not to obey it, not to live it out, not to practice it. And so as we teach this last weekend and this weekend, those are the three primary audiences. New Christians who've never heard, Christians who've heard and are living it out but don't really understand why, and then some Christians who know this but for whatever reason have just chosen to not obey it. So as you think about what we taught last weekend, and we're about to just do a quick review of it, but as you think about what we taught last weekend and what we're going to talk about this weekend, I want you to think, where am I? Where am I? Am I one of those three primary audiences? Am I one of the, the, the reasons why our pastors feel led to teach this principle? And, and here's what I want you to hear me say. John chapter 8 and verse 32 says this, you will Know the truth, and the truth will, say it out loud, set you free or make you free. In my personal life, there is not another practice where I've begun to honor this principle in my own life, where I have experienced more the reality of that verse, the freedom that comes in Christ when you understand a biblical worldview as it applies to material things. When you grasp this reality, there is a sense of freedom that comes. And so really there's a, there's a fourth group in the room, and maybe if you've struggled to find yourself in the first three, this is your group. You're Christians who you've heard these principles, you know them, and you're living them out, and your testimony would be like mine today, you would hope that everybody in the room would grab this because you know the freedom of living this out. If that's you, would you just say amen? Amen. So, so, So I hope you heard that. It's not just me saying it today. There's a cloud of witnesses who are saying, I've heard this at some point in my Christian journey. I was where you are. I heard this stuff for the first time, or I heard it having practiced it wrong, or I heard it living in disobedience, and I surrendered myself to these truths. And all of those people that just said amen said, Man, I'm telling you, there is freedom to be found in Christ when you grab this. When you think about generosity, we said last weekend that there are two phrases that summarize the teaching of Scripture when it comes to this biblical practice of giving financially. And here are the two phrases. Always a portion 
sometimes a sacrifice. Repeat this after me. Always a portion. Say it. Sometimes a sacrifice. Those two phrases really summarize everything the Scripture teaches about generosity as it applies to this biblical practice of giving. Last weekend, we unpacked the always a portion piece. Now, I want to give you a definition. I want to summarize what we said last weekend with a definition that I didn't give you last week. So look at it up on the screen. Here's this always a portion idea. Joyful obedience that always leads me to give first to the Lord out of what He provides for me. If you really take everything we said last weekend, that's it in one sentence. Always a portion is the idea of joyful obedience that always leads me to give first to the Lord out of what He provides for me. And we talked about last weekend that biblical principle of the 10% as a starting point where we give that through our local church. And I talked to you about how you have to develop your own conviction about where the starting point is for you. But that's the principle. As followers of Jesus Christ, in joyful obedience, not because I have to to be a good Christian, I have to for God to like me, I have to for God to be happy with me. No, in joyful obedience. The Bible says God loves a cheerful giver. In response to the grace. Listen, we just sang about being covered by the grace of God. How many of you are thankful for the grace of God? Are you thankful that, that by the grace of God, God doesn't see me as a sinner, but he sees me as his child? God doesn't see me as somebody who's trying to do my best. He sees me as righteous, as Jesus Christ himself. All of that is possible because of the amazing grace of God. And what the scripture teaches is in response to what God has done in my life, in response, in joyful obedience, I live with everything I have like this, looking for an opportunity to make a difference in somebody else's life. Not because I have to, but because I get to in response to this great God in my life. That's this principle of always a portion. Here's what the Bible says about it. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9 and 10. Look at it. Honor the Lord from your wealth. Now here's what that phrase means. It means that I'm to steward everything that I have in a way that honors the Lord. But then look what he says. And... From the first of all your produce. The word produce is a word in Hebrew that means increase or revenue. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Here's what he's saying. As God provides for me, as I have income, as I have revenue, I'm not to do everything to take care of me first and see what's left over. And then tip God out of that. We're laughing because we've all been there, right? The principle of Scripture is, I'm to live with everything I have like this. And out of every source of revenue, every source of income, every way that God provides for me. First, out of conviction and joyful obedience, I'm to give back to Him a portion of that. Always a portion. And last weekend, we talked about this matrix that, that I want to show you again today. This idea of portion here at the top. And we said, the, the first question, remember we asked last weekend is, are we even on the board, right? 
But the reality is for those that are on the board, a lot of Christians, we live right here. Sometimes I'll give a portion. And when we do, what it really is is an improper view towards things because we think it all belongs to me. And so sometimes out of what I have, I'm going to give a little bit to him. But when we have a right heart towards things and realize that it all belongs to him, we always give a portion out of what he's given to us. And that's what we talked about last week. If you got all that, say amen. amen. I'm real encouraged. Because, let me tell you why I'm Listen, I told you last weekend that next weekend we're going to talk about sacrifice. And you showed back up anyway. I really thought it'd be me and a couple of people this weekend. I'm thrilled that you're here because remember what we said last weekend? Last weekend we said we're going to begin to talk about sacrificial giving. Here's the reality of how far we've come as followers of Jesus Christ. We think always giving a portion is sacrificial giving. Always giving a portion is just obedience. Let that sink in for a minute. We're not living in the world of sacrifice here. We're living in the world of obedience. But, but this feels like sacrifice because we've just said, I wrote this down this morning. The more sacrificial this always a portion feels reveals how comfortable I've become in a disobedient lifestyle. The more this feels like sacrifice the more it reveals in my own heart that I've just gotten real comfortable in a lifestyle of disobedience to God to where even obedience now feels like great sacrifice. So now we want to talk about sacrifice. We've not really taught this principle at Hope as much as we've taught this principle. But the principle is true in Scripture that there is... This idea of sacrificial giving. So I want to look at a definition of this idea of sometimes a sacrifice. I want to put it up on the screen. Sometimes a sacrifice. Here's the definition. Spirit-led generosity. Now, Now notice already something different here. The other one is always. It's just a practice. The always a portion piece, we don't even have to pray about that. Why? Because it's clear in Scripture. When it's clear in Scripture, we don't have to pray about it. We just obey what God says in His Word. But this sometimes a sacrifice, we have to be walking in tune with the Holy Spirit of God because it's Spirit-led generosity that occasionally calls me to give more than I think I can to get in on what God is doing in the moment. Here's what it means. As you and I walk with Jesus, there will be moments when the Holy Spirit of God will allow us to see God at work. And He will reveal that activity as an invitation for you and I to get in on it by meeting a need. Through sacrificing something that belongs to us or that we think belongs to us, that he's entrusted to us and demonstrate radical generosity. If you walk with Jesus, there will be moments 
where the Holy Spirit of God will touch your heart. And you will see something in God's activity. And the Spirit of God will prompt you to give up something you value for the sake of meeting that need in that moment. It's not always. That's why we call it sometimes a sacrifice. Let me show you an example in the Bible. If you have your Bible, turn to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. We're reading in the early church here. I want to begin in verse number 32. If you don't have a Bible this morning, we're going to put these verses up on the screen so you can follow along. It says, And the congregation of those who believed were of one heart and soul. Now, I know we're just jumping into verse 32 here. There's a whole lot that has happened in Acts chapters 1 through 4 to get us here. The church has been born in Jerusalem. The church is exploding. Lives are being changed. Thousands of people are coming to Christ. By this point, this word congregation here, it represents over 20,000 people in Jerusalem. So to say 20,000 people are all on the same page, that's a big statement that we just read. The congregation of those who believe were of one heart and soul. That's a place to say, wow, I can hardly get my family of six sometimes to be of one heart and soul. We're talking about the congregation, over 20,000 people, all in, all on the same page, all wrapped their hearts around the same thing. Listen to what it says. And not one of them pretty strong term not one of them claimed that anything belonging to him was his own but all things were common property to them and with the great and with great power the apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and abundant grace there's that great word grace was upon them all for there was not a needy person among them Listen to this. For all who were owners of land or houses would sell them and bring the proceeds of the sales and lay them at the apostles' feet and they would be distributed to each as any had need. Then he gives us an example. Now Joseph, a Levite of Cyprian birth, who was also called Barnabas by the apostles, which translated means sons of son of encouragement, and who owned a tract of land, sold it, and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Now, what's happening here in Acts chapter 4 is not communism, all right? Some people hear this and they immediately think, oh, this is communal living where everybody... No, that's not the case. And the evidence of that is multiple in this verse, in, in this text. But one of them is, he gives the example of Barnabas. Why give the example if everybody had already done it? The reason he gives the example is because he's describing a principle that they were living out. Nobody claimed anything belonged to himself. If there was a need where the Spirit led them, they would, in response to that, sell what they had in order to meet that need in the body. There was a lifestyle of sacrificial generosity. Wasn't always. Sometimes the Spirit would lead, like in the case of Barnabas, and they would give something of value 
to meet a great need. So I want to share with you three principles this morning about sacrificial giving, and then we'll be done. Number one, sacrificial giving begins with a right heart towards God that leads to a right view of things. Sacrificial giving begins with a right heart towards God that leads to a right view of things. Did you hear what the text said about them? They were all of one heart and soul, and not one of them claimed that anything belonging to him was his own. Before there was an outward sacrifice, there was an inward transformation that had taken place. You see, their heart had been changed toward things. They'd been so moved by God. They'd been so changed by Christ that things didn't matter anymore. They'd come to the place where they said, you know what? Everything I have belongs to Him anyway. How desperately we need that awakening in the American church. We've gotten to the place in the American church that we think Christianity is the American dream. Christianity is not equal to the American dream. Christianity is a global faith celebrated all over the world. People following Jesus in multiple ways of expression in their daily life. We think this idea of a a plush retirement and two cars in the garage and a cushy portfolio and all the things is what following Jesus is all about. Not that those things are wrong or bad. They're not. The Bible says God's given us all things to enjoy. But it's when those become our God. And we live for those things. And everything in our life revolves around those things. We've drifted into an improper view of things. And and they've become the things that we worship. But what we understand from these people is that sacrificial giving begins with a right heart attitude. The reason that so many Christians aren't even on the board and the ones that are live right here in the sometimes is because we worship things. If we're ever going to get here, we've got to have God so move in our hearts that we get to the place of recognizing it all belongs to Him. It's his. I went and had lunch with somebody this a couple weeks ago, and it was down in a part of Las Vegas where we parked our cars. And you know, some places in Las Vegas you park your cars. You're not real sure if your car's gonna be there when you get back. And he wanted to show me an area of ministry where he was working, and so I got in the car with him. We drove around, looked at this area of ministry, and we were leaving my car there. And he said, he said, we're gonna leave your car here, but it'll be fine. Here's what I said to him. I said, listen, why do I care if he wants his car stolen? How many of you came and checked to see if my door was locked when you left today? You didn't. You locked your door, right? You didn't come check to see if my door was locked. You don't worry about stuff that don't belong to you. You didn't check your neighbor's doors when you left the house this morning. You don't worry about stuff. You quit worrying when you realize it don't belong to you anyway. It all belongs to him. If he wants his car stolen, if he wants his whatever broken, then that's his business. It's his. We've got to have a revival about things in our heart that changes our perspective. And that's what happened here. These people's heart had been changed. They were being conformed to the image of Christ. They weren't consumed with things. They were consumed with love for one another. 
They were consumed with living for the mission. And because of what Christ had done in them, they were ready to sacrifice. John MacArthur said this. Look at this quote on the screen. A very practical test of a Christian's love is how much he or she is willing to sacrifice financially. Ouch. That hurt me when I read it this week. If we're going to understand this, let me give it to you in two statements. Number one, generosity is about my heart, not about my things. Generosity is about my heart. Not about my things. A clear principle of Scripture is that God is not impressed by the amount of our giving. He is pleased by the attitude of our giving. You see, God doesn't need our money. Let me show you a verse in Scripture. Psalm 50, verse 10. Look what it says. God says, for every beast of the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird of the mountains and everything that moves in the field is, said out loud, Mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world is mine and all it contains. He describes the universe like a box, and he says everything inside the box, it's all mine. You say, well, if God doesn't need my money, why are we talking about giving? <laughs> because giving reflects my attitude towards God's grace in my life. That's why Jesus said it this way. Jesus said, for where your treasure is there will your what heart be also here's another way to kind of translate that you want to know who you love you evaluate where you spend and invest your money you want to get real practical about where you are just go into your bills or your checkbook register or however you track money and just look where you're spending it that's where your heart is that's what Jesus said. Generosity is really about my heart. And it's one of the reasons why sometimes in churches people get so upset when you talk about money you're giving. The reason is because it reveals the heart. Generosity is really not about things. It's about my heart towards things. My favorite story in the Bible that communicates this principle is found in the Gospel of Mark chapter 12. I love this story. If you got your Bible, turn over there. I will not I'm going to put it up on the screen. I want you to see this here. Mark chapter 12 teaches this principle. Look what it says, verse 41. And he sat down opposite the treasury. Now, let me tell you what's going on here. This is Jesus. And Jesus is in the synagogue, and they're about to take the offering. Just a few minutes ago, we, we took the offering. Well, Jesus is in the synagogue, and they're about to take the offering in the synagogue, all right? So here's what Jesus does. The way they took the offering in the synagogue was not the way we took it. They didn't pass baskets and have ushers. They had one big basket down at the front, and at a point in their service, everybody would come and file by the basket and drop their offering in the basket. Now, look at the verse again. And he sat down opposite the treasury. Here's what Jesus did. He got him a chair, and he sat down by the bucket. You imagine this morning if when we took the offering, I just followed the basket around? That's what Jesus did. He sat down opposite the treasure. means right in front of it. And look what it says. And began observing 
how the people were putting money into the treasury. So here's what's going on. I'm not making it up. You're reading it. Then look what it says. And many rich people were putting in large sums. I guess so with Jesus sitting at the box. Can you imagine the line as people are watching this getting closer? God turns to honey, what'd you bring? We, Jesus, is that the box? Here, just give me your rings. Give me those. We'll put those in. Jesus at the box. People start passing back. Hey, hey, just so you know, Jesus is sitting at the box. And many rich people putting in large sums. Yeah. Verse 42. A poor widow came. Put in two small copper coins, which amount to a cent. Verse 43. Calling his disciples to him. Here's what that looked like. Jesus has been watching. Here comes this little lady with nothing. And she gives everything. And in the middle of the service, Jesus goes, Peter! James, John, come here! You have got to see this! Truly, I say to you, I imagine he's got his arm around this little lady at this point. This poor widow put in more than all the contributors to the treasury. For they all put in out of their surplus. But she, out of her poverty, put in all she owned, all she had to live on. God's not impressed by the amount. Can I just let you off the hook this morning? There's nobody in the room that can write a check that will impress God because of the size of that check. Might impress us, might impress people. He owns it all. Let me tell you what moves the heart of God. A heart that is overwhelmed by His grace and just ready to say, Lord, it's all yours anyway. God, what do you want me to give out of your stuff today? And that's the second reality. When my heart is right, my things are surrendered. When my heart is right, my things are surrendered. Like this little lady in the scripture we just read about. When, when my heart's right, I want to say some phrases. I want you to repeat them after me. It all belongs to him. Say it. Hold your hands like this. I want you to say it again. It all belongs to him. Let's do it again. You say it after me, all right? <laughs> it all belongs to him. Now I want you to think about it with your hands open. Everything you have, cars, home, apartment, retirement, income, televisions, couches, beds, pools, 
it all belongs to him. Now I want you to repeat this after me. He's entrusted some to me. What's in your hands, he put there. Now I want you to repeat this one. What he's entrusted to me, I am to use for him. You see, when my heart is right, my things get surrendered. It's not mine, it's his. And that enables us to then begin to live holding it loosely, looking for those opportunities. So sacrificial giving begins with a right heart towards things, a right heart towards God that leads us to a right view of things. Let me give you the second statement. Sacrificial giving is motivated by the needs of the moment. Whereas this principle of always giving a portion is an always every week principle, this principle of sacrificial giving is motivated by the need of the moment. You see it in the text that we read. They were responding to these needs that you see the word needy in verse 34 and then you see there again the word need in this passage of scripture. Both of those words speak to seeing to seeing something that is lacking. The Spirit of God showed them something that was lacking. And sacrificial giving is generosity prompted by the Holy Spirit in response to the need of the moment. It's not an always. God doesn't always expect us to sell everything we have and give it away. That's not the principle of Scripture. But there are moments when God will call us to give more than we think we can, which will lead us to sacrifice something of value in response to the Holy Spirit in the need of the moment. What does that look like? Well, sometimes the need is personal. In this passage of Scripture, it was about a personal, physical need that was represented in the lives of these in the community of believers. Sometimes God will show you something, maybe in your small group. Maybe in your ministry team where you serve, God will show you a need in somebody else's life that he's not going to show to anybody else so that you can sacrifice and meet that need. A few years ago, there was a young man that came to Christ in our fellowship. He was a young guy that had just really didn't have much and loved Jesus and Surrendered his life to Christ and, and began to walk with God. And God began to call him into ministry. And so he wanted to get his education and wanted to get his schooling done. And he didn't have the resources to be able to do that. And I'll never forget the day out of the book of Proverbs where God spoke to my heart and my wife and I just in sacrificial generosity for about three years. Asked him to just bring us the bill. And we just out of our pocket paid to let him get to school. Now that young man is... Serving the Lord, we commissioned him out a couple of years ago, and he's planting a church out of our fellowship as a church planter, and that church is now beginning to reach people in in, uh, uh, the Pacific Rim, and they're planting a second church and a third church now out of their new church. God didn't call Hope Church to do that. God didn't call you to do that. God, the Holy Spirit of God, spoke to my heart and to my wife's heart and called us to sacrifice something that we had we didn't know at the time that this guy was going to be a church planner, was going to reproduce and multiply churches and reach people that never heard the gospel. We didn't know any of that. We were just responding to the need of the moment as the Spirit of God spoke. Sometimes the need's going to be personal. Sometimes the need is going to be missional. 
So what do you mean by that? Sometimes the need is about accomplishing the mission that God's called us to as a fellowship. And he'll show us that. For example, I have a good friend in southern Africa by the name of Kuhn Skoltz. Some of you met Kuhn. Kuhn's spoken here at Hope through the years. God's used him. You're talking about sacrificial generosity. He and his wife have adopted. They now have 19 children that most of them they've taken in off the streets of Zambia. Children with unique disabilities and, and dependencies based on where they came from. It's just an amazing, their family is just, I get around them and get convicted about the way that I live my life. Kun and Saria, they just love Jesus. And Kun said, Vance, I heard a story. He said, it's the most radical expression of generosity I'd ever heard. Now, listen, for Kun to say that, you got to understand, this dude knows sacrificial generosity. He said, Vance, up in northern Zambia, I've been there, a place called Lake Tanganyika. It's right on the border of Zambia that then borders Tanzania. He said there was a, a young man that felt the call of God to take the gospel to unreached peoples who live across the lake. And when I say lake, it looks like an ocean. I've been there. It's huge. You have to go across Lake Tanganyika and get to the border region of Tanzania. And there are villages all along that border region who've never seen anybody that wasn't Tanzanian. They've just never been exposed to anything, much less the gospel. And he said this young man in northern Zambia had a passion to take the gospel to them. The problem is he needed to get <coughs> training. He needed to get visas. He needed to get all the, the appropriate passports and paperwork to do that. And it was going to cost him $600. Now, in Zambia, $600, their dollar is called the kwacha. In Zambia, $600 is 3 million kwacha. The weekly offering of the church that he attended was $2.25 in U.S. dollars per week. So their weekly offering in that fellowship was about 12,000 kwacha, and they needed 3 million to send this kid. So Kun said that after meeting with the mission organization, the church went back and they began to pray. Two weeks later, they called the organization and said, we're ready to send him. They said, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, you don't understand. It's three million kwacha, not, not 600 kwacha, $600. They said, we know. They said, well, where'd you get the money from? <laughs> they said, well, most of us realize we have three shirts, but we only need two. So we sold all the extra. And we eat three meals a day, but we can live on two. So we sold all the extra crop that we had stored. And today, there is a young man going village to village along the coastal region of Tanzania, planting churches where the gospel had never been reached before. Does God always call us to sell of our possessions, to give of our very meal? No. Sometimes he might. For the sake of the mission. That little people, that little group of people over there in northern Zambia, they got it. They gave sacrificially. You see, sacrificial generosity. Let me put that up there again, again on the screen, that definition. It's spirit-led generosity that occasionally calls me to give more than I think I can to get in on what God is doing in the moment. Sometimes it's personal. Sometimes it's missional. Sometimes it's in other areas. But here's what I'm telling you. As you begin to live out this principle of always a portion, sometimes God is going to speak by the Holy Spirit and call you to give up something of value 
And listen, I'm telling you, that's not abnormal, radical Christianity. That's just normal following Jesus. Let me finish. Here's the last statement. Sacrificial giving accompanies the accomplishing of God's mission. Look at verse 33 again. It says, And with great power the apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and abundant grace was upon them all. You know what that is? It's Acts 1-8 being lived out. Just three chapters earlier, Jesus had said, You're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. After the Holy Spirit's come upon you in power. Three chapters later, we read in Acts chapter 4, verse 33. Now here they are in great power, sharing the gospel. The grace of God was upon them all. People were being saved. Lives were being changed. And here's what I want you to hear me say. Everywhere you see God moving in a mighty way, you dig deep enough and you will always find two things. You will always find desperate prayer. And you will always find sacrificial generosity. Both of them right here in this text. We see God moving in a mighty way. We've read about the sacrificial generosity. One verse before the text that I read this morning, verse 31, listen what it says. And when they had prayed, the place where they had gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with boldness. When you dig deep, you look for God's activity in the world. You see the sweeping move of God and people coming to Christ. You'll always dig and you'll find two things. Sacrificial generosity and desperate prayer. Well, I'll share this reality with you and we'll close. Desperate prayer and sacrificial generosity invite God's movement. In and through our lives. Desperate prayer and sacrificial generosity. Remember what we've said before at Hope? We can't manipulate God's activity among us, but we can invite the Spirit of God to move among us. When we begin to cry out to God in desperate prayer, and then we begin to live with an attitude of radical, sacrificial generosity. It invites the activity of God in and through our lives. Shouldn't surprise us. The text we looked at last weekend is where God said, Just test me. Just test me. Last weekend we looked at this matrix. I want to finish it today. We talked about how many Christians live in this area of sometimes, but if we're going to follow Christ, it's really about always giving a portion. Then I want to talk about this area of sacrifice. When we think that it's always to be a sacrifice, and this is where some Christians, because they've been taught wrong, they live here thinking that, oh, everything's always got to be a sacrifice. I can't enjoy anything. I've got to give everything. It's almost a monastic way of thinking. It's really an improper view of God because it says this about God, that God is demanding. Woe is me. I can't enjoy anything. I can't have nice things. I can't ever own anything new. I've got to give it all to the Lord. God's going to be happy with me. I've got to be a pauper. I've got to 
God is demanding. But you see, when we get a right heart towards God, we understand that God is not demanding, but that God is inviting. He's inviting us to get in on something that's bigger than us. He's inviting us to be a part of what He's doing. He doesn't need us, but He's inviting us. He's inviting us to share in an investment that is eternal. God's not against investments. He just doesn't want you to make a bad one. There's only one that's eternal. That's His work. All the rest of it's going to rust and be destroyed or passed on. This is the only thing that you get to carry with you. Lay up your treasure in heaven, he said. He didn't say don't have treasure. He just said lay it up in the right place. So as Christians, always a portion, sometimes a sacrifice. It all belongs to him. He's inviting me to get in on something that I can't do on my own. So I want you to go back to the beginning where we started. Which of those groups are you in? Maybe you're a new Christian. You've never heard any of this before. It's all brand new. Here's what we're teaching you. The target is always a portion. You've got to get before the Lord, establish your conviction. I shared mine with you last week. If you weren't here, you can go listen online. So you've got to establish your conviction. What portion do I always give out of what he's given to me? And then sometimes a sacrifice. If you're a new Christian, there will be times when God will call you to give more than you think you can. Sometimes a sacrifice. Second group. Christians who know this, but maybe you've been living it out wrong. Maybe you've been thinking... Everything's sacrificed. God's demanding. I've got to do this to please Him. No, listen, listen, listen. It's always a portion because it all belongs to Him. Then I get to live here understanding that God's inviting me. He's not demanding of me. This is not a work that I have to perform to earn a right standing before God. Listen, I'm right with Him because of Jesus. I don't have to do one thing today to earn God's favor. I get to enjoy God's favor because of Jesus. But now he's inviting me to get in on something. Maybe you're here and you're a Christian that's just living in disobedience. So let me go back and ask you, are you even on the board? Are you living here? Some of you are living here in disobedience. Sometimes out of you out of what's left over, you give a portion to the Lord. But some of you are living here out of, out of disobedience. You're, you're always giving and always sacrificing, but you're doing it with a wrong motive, thinking you earn favor before God. Either of these today, I'm inviting you to repent and to bring your life in line with what the Scripture teaches, always a portion that all belongs to Him. And yeah, sometimes a sacrifice because He's inviting me to get in on something bigger and let me remind you as you think about that I'm about to give you a moment to process but as you think about that let me remind you of what I told you last weekend as we live generously always a portion sometimes a sacrifice we invite the generosity of our father into our lives 
He's waiting. He's ready to open up the windows of heaven. As we begin to live this out, always a portion, sometimes a sacrifice, we invite His generosity into our life.